At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we're upping the benefits without upping the price. Introducing Magenta Max, now with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, get Netflix on us. Right now, pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to $650 bucks, only at T-Mobile. Activate up to 4K or video streams at 480p. Up to 40 gigs high-speed tethering. $650 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Simmons support charges waived. Receive Netflix standard with two lines. Hey, I am the Greg, one of the hosts of the Greg and Dave Show. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. This is Nicole Kelly, host of Loud and Proud here on Public House Media. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Once you're done with this episode, I hope you'll come check out my show, Loud and Proud, where we talk about issues facing the disability community. A new show comes out weekly. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode of Loud and Proud. Thanks again for checking out the following broadcast on Public House Media. delay. I don't have a beverage. That's where we're at right now. Um, I'm going to take a second and share this on Facebook so we can get some folks in here because this whole, you know, Me Too, Time's Up Now, all of it's leaking into other stuff leaking into other things and it's off the rails and then couple that with my lack of a beverage and um you know i'm going to sundance tomorrow so we're looking a little crazy but i did brush my hair for you i did i brushed it dirty but i did brush it um let me go to the public house media page and share this post really fast because that is important. Oh, there's so much in the news this week. In the past couple weeks, it's just piling up. It's just absolutely piling up. This could this page could load at any time. That'd be great. The I thought the James Franco situation was enough. But as we all know, just as when you just the second that you say, oh, wow, this is this is really over the edge. You haven't seen the edge yet. It's about to get drop kicked off. So everything has happened in the in the span of the past week. The Aziz Ansari thing happened, which I think I don't even know if that merits a whole show or not, but we're going to have to talk about him at some point. Um. Simone Biles came out with a bunch of other girls against some um, sports doctor that's like an Olympic, an Olympian doctor, I guess he does physio or something, and then, you know, other girls that may be still athletes, but not necessarily Olympians, 
And it's like, what is, what is going on, folks? What is going on here? Like, really? And then, and then, um, it's just, it's just hitting at the, the situation with Mark Wahlberg and not Carrie Mulligan, Michelle Williams, they look alike. Um, and the, you know, the pay disparity between the two for the reshoots on all the money in the world. It's just, it's, if it's everything, it's nothing. Like we, we need to choose here what's going on. So let's talk about this, um, the Simone Biles doctor situation. So the doctor's name is Larry Nasser. And he's a former Team USA doctor. And he is um, being sentenced for uh, sexually abusing girls under his care, which is disgusting. Um, so there it is on CNN. Oh, that's not going to work. Never mind. We tried. Um, there it is on CNN and everywhere else of this guy who was sexually abusing little girls under the, you know, under the guise of, of being a physician, which is really, like, textbook gross. And then more, it says that more than 140 female athletes said that they were abused by once respected doctor, including Allie Reisman, Gabby Douglas, Michaela Maroney, and members of the Fierce Five U.S. Olympic gymnastics team that won the gold in 2012. No, Maybelline. Stop that. I'm getting banner ads being played here. And it's like, where do they find these dudes? Like, nobody's checking, nobody's checking on anyone. But then I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, you know what? When, when the focus of your life is tunnel visioned on whether it be entertainment stuff, you know, kids modeling or acting or whatever. And this, I mean, it's even more intense for like, you know, a sport. So of course nobody's, you know, thinking, oh yeah, maybe this Team USA doctor is going to be sexually abusing children under his care. Like it's just so gross. And then I think, I think one, there was one little girl um, that her mom says that she killed herself after, you know, being abused by him as, you know, as a, as a younger child. And it's like, what is wrong with these people? Okay. So Nasser faces sentencing on Tuesday in Michigan state court after pleading guilty in November to seven counts of criminal sexual misconduct. He faces additional sentencing later this month on three counts of criminal sexual assault involving victims in a neighboring county. Ooh. So he's going to multiple counties. That's hopefully one of them's Wayne. I hope he gets locked up in Wayne County. That's going to be at least for a little while. I mean, they'll have to transfer him to a prison at some point. But if he could get locked up in Wayne County Jail for just this long, oh, it would be awesome. He worked at Michigan State University from 1997 to 2016 as an associate professor. Oh, that's great. And he served as a gymnastics and women's crew team physician. In his plea, Nasser admitted to sexually abusing patients under the guise of providing medically necessary treatment in instances as far back as 1988. 
some of which involve girls under 13. Wow. Okay. And I know, unfortunately, uh, there is, um, in Michigan anyway, there is a line to cross, I guess. And if the, if someone is, you know, from 13 to 18 and they get abused, it is a certain, you know, capacity of the law for sentencing. If it's under 13, it's a different capacity of the law and they tack on extra time for that. Know that for certain in Michigan. So old Dr. Nasser is going to have a great time in jail. Oh, Tierra is here. Hi, Tierra. How are you? Um, I was in the Chipotle parking lot today and I was uh, really angry at this person for taking 10 years. And I was like, as Tira would say, you're lucky that I know the Lord because I can't do this with you right now. <laughs> In, okay, so this is cute. In his, let me back this up. Several days have been set aside in Nasser's sentencing for victim impact statements. At least 88 people are expected to speak according to the Michigan Attorney General's office. This is what happens when you have more victims than you do attorneys. Maybe think about that before you start doing terrible things to people. At his plea hearing, Nasser apologized and compared his crimes to a match that turned into the hottest fire, or into, the, into a forest fire. Mm. No, no. A, a forest fire grows um, as a byproduct of not being put out he would have to have choose to put out his own actions. So, nice try there, buddy. Thanks for playing. Okay, so apparently the University of Oklahoma gymnast Maggie Nichols said that she and her coach reported abuse by Nasser to the USA Gymnastics in 2015, a few years after Nasser began treating Nichols for a back injury. USA Gymnastics said it hired an independent investigator to look into her allegations. Raisman said that she was was first treated by NASA when she was 15. She called for a thorough inv investigation of a system that she said enabled a monster to thrive for decades by silencing victims. Okay, so T, oh, so they're implicating, oh, hang on one second. What's that, Leslie? That's true. Uh, Michigan laws are very, you're, you're totally right, Leslie. Michigan laws are very lax in many areas, but for sex crimes of minors, not so much. Can't say can't say that I'm a super huge fan of the of the Michigan judicial system, but for that, they get points. They do get points. So we'll see what happens to this guy. We will see um, how long how long it takes for um, how long his sentence is and what what prison he's going to be sent to. Oh. I just so hope he goes to Wayne County, even for this, just the slightest amount of time, because they, he will know what a forest fire feels like in Wayne County, for sure. Um, what was really just the kicker to this whole situation was during this, um, this hearing that they had the, you know, the 88 victims giving their statements at, after it happened, because, you know, this is public. People are following this, you know, gigantic explosion, just like all the other gigantic explosions of sexual misconduct. And his attorney wrote a letter, the audacity, 
the audacity on some people will just you get a you get a like for that comment. You're right. He won't survive. He will not. There's no way. Or at least pieces of him won't. He won't. Maybe his arm will survive, but not the rest of him. So his attorney, after this all goes down, his attorney sends a letter saying that hearing all of these victim statements is like causing him irreparable emotional distress and harm. And it's like read the room bro like this is not about you your time is over and there was one girl that gave um that gave a statement that was just so incredibly awesome because at the you know i'm not gonna read the whole thing but the gist of it was he chose little girls because they were defenseless against him that's who he chose they're perfect targets at the time at the time, they're perfect targets because there's nothing that they can do about it. But all of these girls will grow into grown women who will then in turn become this army of, what is it? Let's go back and get the exact number. Hang on a second. 140. An army of 140 of grown women who do have a voice and they can defend themselves and they can tell their story and turn it back around on him. So that's where we're, that's where we're headed with this. I mean, it's just, it's obscene that it's 140 girls coming out against this doctor, all with like, and they all have receipts. They all have, you know, medical bills. And on top of it, they have correspondence with the USA Gymnastics team saying, hey, this guy needs to be investigated. And then them agreeing to launching a, an, a private investigation against him. Like, I'm all for fairness, but if you have girls coming to you and being like, yo, this guy needs to go, he did X, Y, and Z. Like, I don't think you really need to hire an private investigator. I feel like you should be able to twerk that out on your own, on your own merits just uh i feel like it's not that difficult to be like oh you know what i'm hearing the same story from a bunch of different people um at different times and the guy looks like a creeper like he just does like i mean everybody in orange looks like a creeper but still like it's it's kind of rough i mean like yeah he fits the bill not everybody fits the bill, but this guy in particular, Dr. Larry Nasser, he fits the bill. He fits the pedo bill for sure. So I'm interested to see if the U.S. Olympic Committee or anybody on that team, you know, the oversight for Team USA for gymnastics is going to be implicated in this because if they sent, if they asked for him to go under investigation and nothing happened and they kept him on until, you know, the last Olympics, like, what? I don't know how they would weasel out of that legally. Like, I just don't, I don't know. I have no idea how he's going to, how between his, because his sentencing is going to be so public and so gnarly. It already is, and it's not even over yet. And then, you know, the USA Gymnastics Committee is going to have to account for why this person um, that is now sentenced to X, Y, Z 
years in prison um, for sexual misconduct, for criminal sexual misconduct and molest and assault, um, was brought to their attention and they swept it under the rug. And that's another kind of interesting component to this thing is like, now that we're living in the age where people have um, more documented proof of, hey, I told someone, I supplied them with whatever it is that I supplied them with, and then nothing happened, or they told me to shut up, or they told me to go away, or they told me, or like in the, you know, in a Harry Wein, or Har Harry, in a Harvey Weinstein situation, like, oh, his attorneys are way too big, you might as well take the payout and just, you know, just deal with it because, you know, you're never going to win, you're going to be tied up in court forever. There's receipts for that now. There's emails, there's text messages, there's all that stuff that's like super, super, you know, viable. And now that we're all playing in the court of opinion, it's it's added in, it's added a new dynamic to it. I did a show on TJ Miller a couple weeks ago, and the girl that woman whatever that accused him anonymously, but they knew who she was. Kate and TJ have emails from her doing the exact same thing since 2001. Like, it's not, um, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting now that we have, um, the correspondence that we do and it saves to clouds and it's, you know, in, in email accounts, it's there forever. Um, screen caps, <laughs> that was not, um, that was not around way back when so it was a little bit more fierce of a fight to come out and say something but now people have that so we'll we will see how that plays out legally i think that's going to be um a really interesting win for the people that were wrongly accused and a win for a people that were you know right to come out with their story and be like hey this person did this to me and these people know about it. And I said this and I said that. And there's, you know, documentation because when you're in crimes in general, dealing, you know, the legal process dealing with it, they're really into times, dates, things like that. But when it comes to criminal stuff and sex crimes are so hard to prove with you when you don't have a rape kit. And even if you do have a rape kit, then, you know, who knows if your county will test it or not. And they might take so long it falls out of the statute of limitations. You don't know. Um, when we have all this electronic correspondence now and screen caps and such, um, it's going to get, uh, it's going to get really interesting. So now let us talk about, um, this scathing, scathing article from um, old school actress. No, that's the wrong lady. Hang on. There she is. Catherine Devenu. Old school actress. She's been, she's 74. She's been in the game for a very, very long time. And she's French, so she's got opinions. Um... 
she sent out this kind of open letter, I guess. That's what they're calling. They're calling it an open letter. Oh, Jill. Hi, Jill. Thanks for coming on. Um, Okay, so this is from CNN Paris. A collective of 100 French women, including film star Catherine Devenu, have signed an open letter defending men's freedom to pester women, sparking an angry response from a group of feminist, you know, activists. Um, and that's Boy, not really. Zero, Greek, you know what? Yogurt. Give me Advertising, hush. That's enough audio. Okay, so this open letter is it is scathing to be to be perfectly fair. Um, and she's old school and she talks about, oh, wait a second, this one's in French, which I can read, but I'm not really down to translate it in this kind of a forum. Um, so anyway, this open letter criticizing this hashtag Me Too movement, um, which again, when it's all, it's nothing. Um, and warned about a new puritism sparked by recent sexual harassment allegations was published Tuesday in the French newspaper Le Monde. Um, a group of writers, performers, and academics and businesswomen denounced hatred of men and sexuality. And the recent wave of denunciation, men's freedom to pester is indispensable to sexual women, or to sexual freedom, they wrote. Rape is a crime, but insisting, insistent or clumsy flirtation is not an offense, nor a gallantry march of aggression. A group of around 30 activists led by prominent feminist Caroline de Haas responded on Wednesday with a scathing critique published in France on France Info. They accused the signatories of delivery mixing seduction based on respect and pleasure with violence. Okay, so this is where things get blurry. And it does kind of suck because... This, in my opinion, goes hand in hand with, you know, the Aziz Ansari situation where a girl came up to him who was on a date with another guy during a Golden Globes party. and was like, hey, what's your camera like? Like, let's hang out. They talked for a while, you know, texting, and then decided to go on a date and things did not go how maybe both parties envisioned them going, which happens, unfortunately. Um, but then she anonymously wrote, um, an op-ed for some online publication. And so she stayed anonymous and then kind of called him to the carpet. Like, how dare you wear this time's up now pin and say that you're for women. And we went on this date and you were rough with me and goes on to talk about it. But here's the thing. When... This is where the line gets blurry and it gets really hard and it gets hard for the people on one side of it who have actually been raped, molested, assaulted, etc. by anybody, let alone somebody that's um, asserting power over someone via sexual violence or people that are like, I didn't like that and you were doing this and Wow. Like they're, you know, holding a press conference because some actor told them that they had a nice butt on the set of a movie in 1982. Like, really, truly, like, 
these are not the same thing. And then in the middle, but in the middle, it gets muddy and it's hard. You have to try to, we're living in an age where everyone is trying to um, be like, yeah, women's empowerment. All women should be believed. And that's just not true. Like there is no generalized, like there's no general blanket way to deal with anything, like literally anything. Every single person, every single situation is individual. Unfortunately, it's individual and it has to be taken by a case by case basis and use, you know, what we have and our best judgment to try to pull this apart. So this, I mean, and of course, like somebody's gonna, um, for every Me Too movement, there's gonna be like, uh, no, not you too. And that's just the way it is. And some of the things that um, Catherine Devenu said in her open letter, which, you know, was true. Like if someone flirts with you and they're clumsy about it because none of us know any clumsy flirty guys, um, you know, that's not, you're not being, someone's not hurting you. That's not what that's for. And, you know, finding a voice and saying, hey, knock it off. It's the consent that turns it from icky to wrong. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, X, Y, and Z, and we all get a myriad of things said to us at any given time from, oh, hey, let me take this. Ready to go at the post office this morning. Oh, hey, let me take it to brunch. I'm like, oh, is it because I'm wearing a wild fox sweater? You think that I'll go to brunch with you? Like, I didn't say that, but. <laughs> and you say no and keep it pushing. Or some people come up to you at a gas station and be like, oh my God, I want to bleep, bleep out of you. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can't say that to me. It's gross. It's gross. Is it wrong in a legal sense or even, I mean, it's rude. I don't know that it crosses any like moral lines, but those things happen and tell them to get out of your face and keep it pushing. But the, and that's gonna happen. Like, that's just the way, you know, it's the way things work. If people don't try anything, if they don't try any moves, you know, nothing ever happens. None of us would be here if a move wasn't tried at some point. But when somebody comes up to you and says something and you're like, no, no, no. Or they touch you and you're like, actually, that doesn't go there. Go over here. Don't touch me. Don't do this. I didn't say that you could do that. Nobody said that you could do that. Then, it, then you have a problem. Once you have been like, hey, that's not cool. Hey, I don't want to do that. No, you cannot do that. I'm not giving you permission. No one on this planet has permission to touch someone else without them being okay with it. Like, they just don't. But, you know, if somebody says, oh, hey, come over here, and you take your hand off, you take their hand off of you and say, hey, um, I can leave myself, thank you and they don't do it again, okay, peaceful, moving on. 
if they keep doing it, then there's a problem. So, I mean, it's great that everybody is um, inspired by all of these accusations and newfound information coming out to like, watch what they say to people. Maybe think about what they say to people. Maybe think about how they touch people, you know, in public or how they approach people or how they interact with other people. That's awesome. That's great. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you're not going to walk down the street in New York and construction workers aren't going to wh whistle at you. Like, it's been like two months, not two decades, you know? Like, it takes, takes some time to air this out, which is fine. Whatever. We're working on it. The point is, is that it's being worked on. We're having conversations about it. Some people are going to jail. Some people are being exonerated. We've all got new stuff. So, and then, you know, all of these feminists jumped on this, you know, scathing critique. And, you know, she since retracted it. It's just, it's a mess. It is off the rails. We are at this, we are at the point in all of this, you know, back and forth that we're officially off the rails. So now it's reaching to other countries. Um, the French version um, of hashtag me too is balange ton pork, which is squeal on your pig. And French guys are really flirty. So they're going to be more off the rails than we are. And they kind of argue a lot. So we'll see. But also denounced Tuesday's letter. Um, the woman that founded this squeal on your pig hashtag, Sandra Mueller, she described it as a buzz for the sake of buzz and criticized the signatory saying they're just going to sap the morale of numerous victims who try to have a bit of courage. Feminism is not about protecting sexual liber. Feminism is not about protecting sexual liberation, she said, but about protecting women. That is true, but if we're going to go on an equality um, tirade, might miss the mark for a little bit, just saying. But um, it's reaching to Europe. It's reaching out of Hollywood to the rest of the country and, you know, into our, you know, to our friends across the pond. Who knows where it will go next? And it's gotten um, really crazy with this Mark Wahlberg situation, which I feel like I have to have an entire show about. Um, Mark Wahlberg, Michelle Williams. Um, pay situation on all the money in the world because it's just, it's just rough. Like they're, like hashtag me too does not cover pay discrepancies from an employer, whether they be in Hollywood or not, like, it, it just doesn't, like, it's, it's what happens when you have these things, like, touching on other places, it's, it discredits the core of the situation, you have to stay on topic if you want to get anything done. Mark Wahlberg's regular all-the-money salary was almost 10 times more than Michelle Williams. Okay. Here's where this gets hard, because Mark Wahlberg is also a producer, and he 
double and triple dips on the regular. So he'll get paid a producer fee. He'll get paid an acting fee. He'll probably, you know, you probably have another credit in there too. So he, you know, all of his ad, all of his, all those credits you have a separate contract for and they all pile up. Um, so it's not really super fair, but here's, it gets crazy because they're, they're at the same management company. Not that they're managed by the same person, individual, but they're at the same company. So you would think that for their own books, when the management company goes to pay their bills every month, they'd be like, whoa, hang on, wait a second. We have two clients on the same thing and this one's losing money and this one's bringing in money hand over fist. Like what's going on here? But um, calling it systematic sexism. It turns out the wage gap between Oscar-winning actress Michelle Williams and former leader of, of the funky part, Mark Wahlberg from Ridley Scott's All the Money in the World was not confined to the, hang on a second, confined to the film's reshoots. In the same article in The Hollywood Reporter where it was revealed that Tracy Ellis Ross's blackish salary is significantly less than her co-star Anthony Anderson, as reported yesterday by our sister site, The Root, an introductory paragraph drops his, this less than an appetizing little tidbit. Wahlberg's salary for the film was five million, while Michelle million, but while Williams made a mere six hundred twenty-five thousand. That sounds like she took scale. If I had, yeah, that's it's probably like scale and percentages. For more insight about how how this happened, we turn to our own story about Emma Stone's statement that her male co-stars have taken pay cuts for her. That was published last July. Offers extended to Hollywood actors who appear in film or TV series are based on quotes, which are basically whatever the actors made in the past. That's true, but they also use studios in particular, use what they call comps. So they'll like when they're going through casting for something and their casting directors putting out offers for actors that are offer only, um, they'll look at comps, they'll look at movies in the range of what they're making, how they what those what their numbers were what these people got paid how and what their back end was like what the movie actually did domestic foreign um theatrically and then their dvds vod etc um if it was sold to netflix hulu whatever um and those comps is what they use to like base offers on. So the casting director sends an offer out to an actor based on those comps and what the studio can pay, how badly they want that actor. And then um, agents, managers, and lawyers will come back with counter offers or they won't. And they'll just be like, yeah, cool, great. They'll be there on Monday. Um, so that's kind of how that works. The offer will also be adjusted based on the budget of the film and the size of the particular actor's role. Also true, leads, supportings, day plays are not all the same thing. Um, the second part comes into play with the Hollywood pay gap, given that a majority of films and TV series have male protagonists. So even if an actress is being offered a starring role, her pay is based on her quote, which comes from her pa past dozen roles as a love interest or a sidekick with a less screen time. Those are comparing two different things. Um, And that happens when you're going from um, not lead roles to lead roles and you don't, if you don't have anything, like if it's your first lead or your first, you know, time outside of an ensemble or whatever, 
making that jump is hard because you don't have a comp for your reps to negotiate with or against. So that's just kind of a byproduct that's not really inherent sexism. Um, looking at Wahlberg and Lim's last half dozen or so film roles on IMDb, it appears that Wahlberg has top-lined and appeared on the poster for every one of his movies since 2015's Entourage. Um, that's because Mark Wahlberg also is a part, part owner in his management company, so he's... Mark Wahlberg is hand over fisting because he's smart. Um, and has his hand in a lot of things. Um, Michelle Williams does not own a piece of her management company. So that would leave her in a different situation. Most of us don't. It's actually very, it's, I don't want to say that it's like business-wise, like frowned on, but um, you're not really supposed to do that. Like you're not, like as an actor, you're not really supposed to, um, have vested interest in your, in your representation companies, but Wahlberg does, he's managed to do it. Um, so he's a producer, he's a producer with a production company. So there's that. And then he's an actor who also has, um, a stake in his management company. So these two things are connecting and that's how he makes, that's how he gets to make so much stuff on top of his, his company's negotiating his management firm. So there are certain powers that be that consider that a conflict of interest, but I just call, I mean, I believe that is the entertainment industry equivalent to vertical integration. Other businesses do it. Why not? Um, hang on a second. Well, the leading cat list for indie productions like 2016 Certain Women has appeared in mostly supporting roles in ensemble cast since 2011. We just talked about that. When she was nominated for her Oscar title role, My Week with Meryl, which is a great movie, her Oscar nomination by Mer by uh, for Manchester by the Sea was especially notable given her relatively brief screen time in the film. That's not an attempt to justify the discrepancy. Williams and Wahlberg co-headline All the Money in the World alongside Christopher Plummer. And given Williams' reputation as an exceptional actress, there's no reason to pay her so much less than Wahlberg. Um, well, that goes back to their reps. And there's another thing. There's another thing that nobody really talks about for some reason. Couldn't tell you why. I guess it's because it's counter-narrative. Um, SAG, the acting union, has a clause called Favored Nations. Um, and one of the best examples that I can give you of um, Favored Nations being invoked is the first installment of How to Train Your Dragon. There is a two-headed dragon, and it is, like, ridden by a brother and sister. The sister is played by Kristen Wiig. The brothers played by T.J. Miller. When How to Train Your Dragon first came out, T.J. was doing like a couple commercials, had been in some TV shows, but he's not the T.J. Miller that we know today. Um, and Kristen Wiig is Kristen Wiig. She was Kristen Wiig back then too. So <clears throat> T.J.'s um, representatives were able to invoke SAG favored nations because they were literally doing the same part because it's 
a two-headed dragon that's ridden by a brother and sister. So they were like, no, it's the same. He has to get what Kristen gets. Worked out for him. And now he's, you know, off on his own. And I'm sure somebody's invoking favored nations off of his contract. Um, so, you know, money follows money. But that is a... Favored nations is a thing. So if somebody is truly doing the same part, then there are union rules that have to be abided by. And if your reps, oh gosh, I can't even use that. And if your reps aren't invoking them, then that is a problem that needs to be addressed, not on variety, but within your whole team. And knowing your own unions, guilds, rules also helps. So let's go back to Michelle and Mark for a second. All the money were on the wall alongside Christopher Plummer, given William's reputation as an exceptional actress, there was no reason to pay her much less than Wahlberg, whose commercial prospects had been declining so sharply he was named Forbes' most overpaid actor of 2017. Well, he's getting paid, so there's that. But it's an attempt to offer up what seems to us a wholly reasonable solution to this particular problem. Screenwriters should write more leading roles for Michelle Williams and for women in general. That statement is hard to untangle because I feel like as filmmakers and storytellers, we need to be telling dynamic stories. Whoever those dynamic entertaining stories are about is fine. There's this whole women need to be given things doesn't really speak to this equality that everybody's shouting about. Like you kind of got to pick one side of the fence. Um, the worst for world show William did for women in general with women comprising three of Forbes top five best actors for the buck 2017 and women leading the top three films of the U.S. 2017 U.S. box office for the first time since 1958. There's really no excuse not to. I'm not saying that they shouldn't, and it's commercially viable, that's for sure, but making good films and good television and good music and good commercials and putting out good work is the most... Hang on a second. I'm going to delete this. Um, is the most important thing. Everything else will follow with that. So, in my opinion, I think that this whole Williams-Wahlberg situation is to distract from the fact that this movie employed a known pedophile, and Kevin Spacey is a known pedophile in Hollywood, and then said, then caught a bunch of bad press because all of a sudden people care that Kevin Spacey's a known pedophile and they replaced him with Christopher Plummer. I think they're just, and the movie was hella expensive. That movie, All the Money, was made for all of the money. So in my opinion, I'm pretty sure this is just a PR tactic to, dis to detract to detract from Spacey and then to build up, build up hype around the movie. And you know, it's award show season. Told you it was gonna get wet and wild. Um, 
that's where we are. So thanks for thanks for coming to hang out. I'm going to Sundance tomorrow. I'll be there until Tuesday. And Lord knows what is going to happen in this craziness between um, between now and next Friday with um, SAG Awards and Sundance and really, really, really diving into Oscar time. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. So that's how... That's how we're going to leave this week. Knowing that we are off the rails in anticipation of the absolute lunacy that I will, I am ap I'm certain will ensue here shortly. So thanks for coming on um, for hashtag no filter Friday here on public house media. If you don't catch the live shows or you know, whatever happens. I'm on iHeartRadio now, which is super exciting. And so you can find hashtag no filter Friday on iHeartRadio. And it's also on Google Play and iTunes. So I'm findable. Or, you know, come back at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time on Fridays and chat with me. And we can interact because it's fun. It's fun to interact. I like when people send me questions or ask me my opinion or, you know what have you. That's the point of this show. I could just make videos every every week at my leisure and put them out, but I don't. I chose to have a live show for the interaction because I love you. So join me next week and maybe, um, maybe we'll throw out like a bonus episode or something. Like I have, I've been in talks with a bunch of my friends about coming to be a guest and talking about, um, their specific situations and the stuff that they know and the stuff that I know and maybe we can put those together. So see you later kids. Thanks for coming around.